Thank you for worshiping Redemption Church in Jacksonville, Florida, as we join our message already in progress. Make disciples that, listen to me, follow me with this. Here, here, here's my big, huge idea question for you. There's probably about 115 people here today, total. Children, babies, everything. Let's say, let's say 75 of us here right now were to really, truly start walking in the Spirit. Galatians 5, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. John 15, that we would abide in Christ, abide in His love, abide in His Word. And by abiding in His Word, bear much fruit. Galatians. And and, and then, Romans chapter 12, if we were to lay ourselves down as a living sacrifice, Luke 9, and and deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow Jesus by being a, a living sacrifice, if we were to really lay that down, and really do that on a regular basis, and we were to not be conformed to the way that the world does everything, and that we would be free for freedom's sake, and like Maggie dancing at the credits of a movie, we would be free from what the patterns of this world tell us we have to be and have to do. And rather, we would be transformed by the renewal of our mind. How are we transformed by the renewal of our mind? By abiding in Christ and abiding in his word and abiding in his love and letting it bear much fruit in our lives. It transforms our mind. And as it transforms our mind, Romans 12 says that we will be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What if, you follow me? Everybody follow me on everything I just said? Essentially. And then what if, as a part of that, it were revealed to you through the word of God and the spirit of God and affirmed through the body of Christ what your spiritual gifts were, what your role in the body was. So you're walking in the spirit, you're abiding in Christ and his word, you're bearing the fruit of the spirit, and now you know what your spiritual gifts are and what if you interdependently utilize those with each other? You get the picture I'm painting here? 75 people, 75 people who are children of God, who are walking in the Spirit, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, being transformed by the renewal of their mind, by abiding in Christ, abiding in His love, abiding in His Word, discerning the will of God, utilizing their spiritual gifts interdependently amongst each other. I'm convinced it would literally change the world. I'm convinced that if we would do that, It would literally change the world, but we have to first experience freedom that Christ alone can give us. When I say freedom, listen to me, I mean freedom not only from the penalty of sin, freedom from the power of sin in your life, and and, and listen to this, freedom from the pressure of sinful thinking. And here's what I mean by that. When we're free in Christ, we're free from the pressures of following the patterns of the world. The world is going to tell you who you're supposed to be. The world is going to tell you, here's where the line is, and this is what measuring up looks like. And you're going to fail to get there, most likely, or if you attain it, statistics tell us, you'll be miserable. And so what if we just disregarded what the world tells us we're supposed to be? What if we really pursued this? We, we worshiped and fasted and sought God's will interdependently amongst the body of Christ, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, using the spiritual gifts. I, I am 
thoroughly convinced it would change the world. I really am. This is why it's so important to me. I want us in discipleship relationships. That's how that happens. I, that will not, I am, I am not, I, it will not happen right here, right now. It will not happen. The preaching of God's word can transform hearts, the Bible tells us, but it's not the whole puzzle. The goal isn't for you to just sit here and listen to preaching, but you got to get in each other's lives. And so what I'm asking you to do with that connect card, if you haven't done it yet, you got to give me a little time to process it all. So if you've turned it in and you're thinking, man, I need somebody now. I'm trying. I'm going to figure it out. you got to give me a couple of months to work it out. But my goal is by January for every card to have been answered. Would you pray with me that that would happen? Because I'm not strategic enough. I'm not smart enough. Pastor Wesley's not strategic enough. He's not smart enough. Pastor Joe's pretty smart, but he's not smart enough. I need the Holy Spirit to lead this. I literally have in my office a whiteboard. I'm writing every name down. And I'm praying over it. Because. You look at the church of Antioch. You know what? You, you see revival about to break out as we continue in the story. But not because they have like the, a really cool guest services ministry and, and they have a great children's ministry and a great youth ministry and the best band. I'd love to have all those things. I, really, I, I, love, good, I, mean, I'm not anti, I love good children's ministries. I love good youth ministries. I love good music. I love having get all these things. But it's, those things don't bring revival. Those things don't change the world. Those things don't change hearts. It's the leading of the Holy Spirit that does that. And in order to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, we have to submit ourselves to the processes that God has set up. And so if, if, if we were to be devoted to that, we would become disciple makers. We would then also be sent. We would be dependent on the Spirit, dependent on the church. And we, like the church at Antioch, could be disciple makers. Look at this. Verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus, an island. This island, you got to love the first assignment if you know history. Cyprus at this time is basically like Hawaii or Bahamas. It'd be like you getting saved and be me like, I really feel like God's calling us to go to the Bahamas together and share Christ. You'd be like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do that. And so they get to go to this place called, it's, the nickname is Happy Isle, Cyprus. But listen, keep going. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. This is the first pastoral ministry intern. Everybody look at Derek Donas in the back. Say, hey, Derek. Hey, Derek. Derek is our pastoral ministry intern here. Derek, you're following right in the footsteps of John. John Mark here is the first pastoral ministry intern in the New Testament church. How do I know that? Several reasons, context all throughout Scripture. He's not the only person that go. He's not the only person that goes with Paul and and uh, and Barnabas, <coughs> because later we see in verse 13 it says, "Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Pergia and Pamphylia, and John left them." And return to Jerusalem. It's not the only time John does this. There's some difficulty with John Mark. Pastoral ministry interns don't always work out. And there's going to be messiness in ministry. And, and I, I've been trying to warn you every time we talk about these cards. Listen, 
If you commit yourself to a life of being interdependent in the body of Christ, you need to recognize we live in a fallen world and you will get burned. Here's what I see so often. Someone will, will, in vulnerability, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, say, yes, please let someone disciple me. That person will flake out. They won't continue. It doesn't work out. And so then they give up. And they go, well, I tried it. Or they try to disciple somebody, but then that person that they're trying to disciple flakes out. And they get frustrated and they give up. Don't give up. Listen, that will happen. I promise you. If you dedicate your life to making disciples and being a disciple, it's it's, going to happen every other way. You're going to have people betray you. You're going to have people hurt you. It's going to get real difficult and messy at times. You're going to encounter opposition. But it doesn't change that this is what God has called us to do. That this is how we change the world. Changing the world won't be easy. But it's our mandate. It's It's the mission God has given us. What would it look like if we all, if, 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 if I accomplish this goal, if this church through the Holy Spirit accomplishes this goal and we get the majority of our people in real discipleship relationships, interdependent upon each other, abiding in the word of God, oh man, it's going to change things. What would it look like? So they were disciple makers, empowered. They were sent. So being sent by the Holy Spirit, they were spirit empowered. In verses 6 through 12, I'm just going to summarize. As they're going, they come across a guy named Bar-Jesus, which means son of Jesus or son of salvation. Chances are he gave himself that name. He's Jewish, and he's trying to attach to the movement of Jesus Christ. But he's doing it practicing magic and sorcery. And he's doing it doing some other things. And so he's gotten the attention. He's obviously decent at it. Because he's gotten the attention of a proconsul, Sergius Paulus, who's an intelligent man. But when he hears that there's two other guys who claim to have a word from the Lord, he summons them. And he says, hey, bring them to me. But when they show up, and Paul encounters Bar-Jesus, I don't think Paul takes it really well that this guy has named himself the son of Jesus. He does not react well to this situation. And so he comes at him. He says, you son of the devil. You're You're not the son of Jesus. You're the son of the devil. And he calls it out. Listen to me. This is key for us to understand. We will have to be bold as followers of Jesus Christ and willing to call out things when necessary. Now, we, call, we have here what we call the parish perspective, meaning we want to care for this community. We want to help Hydegrove Early Learning Center become an A-rated early learning center. We want to help Lakeshore Middle School come and, 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 and revive what they've got going on there. We want to help lower crime in our community. We want to help make this a better neighborhood. But hear me very clearly. Our goal is not to make this neighborhood a better place to live before you die and go to hell. It's not, the goal isn't just to make this a better neighborhood for you to live in before you die and go to hell. Our goal is to point people to the freedom and the hope of Jesus Christ in the gospel. We are not a humanitarian organization that just is trying to do social things to make this a better place. We point to making things better because Jesus says he's reconciling the world back to himself in Colossians chapter 1. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he tells us that it's our job. 
that we're the way that that's happening. But if you continue to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the whole context, you understand that the major way that we reconcile the world back to itself is through the power of the gospel that brings freedom because nothing else can really bring freedom, only the gospel. And so we are to be bold and empowered by the Spirit like the Apostle Paul when we encounter opposition. Now, we don't have to call everyone the son of the devil. I would recommend you not unless the Holy Spirit very clearly tell you to. But it means we don't sugarcoat things. We tell the truth. And like Peter said, we tell it in gentleness and in love. Now, here's the key. How can we best do that in gentleness and love? In relationship. In relationship. Not just with, not just with other believers who are going to help sharpen us, but with unbelievers and show them that we love them and we care about them. And then when we need to speak truth into them, they know it's coming from somebody who loves them. There's got to be a sense of urgency. Disciple makers are sent, they're empowered by the Spirit, and they have a sense of urgency. They don't stop there. They keep going. They realize that the gospel has got to make it to the ends of the earth. And so now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia. And then John goes back to Jerusalem. But they went then from Perga and came to Antioch to Pisidia. Now, back at Antioch, and they say they've lost John Mark in the process. There's some reconciliation later. And on the Sabbath day, they go to the Jew first. They went into the synagogue and sat down. And after the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. Mm. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hands. He talks with his hands like I do. Men of Israel and all of you who fear God, listen. Now, I'm not going to read you this whole sermon. I preached on it last July. You can go listen to that podcast. But here's what you need to get. Paul, this is not the whole sermon. We only get about two minutes worth of it. A little snippet of it here, a summary. How do I know that Paul's a long-winded preacher? There's a great story we're going to get to where he preaches so long that a guy gets bored, falls asleep, falls out of a window, and dies. So then Paul, what does he do? Does he go, maybe I've been preaching too long? No, he goes down through the Holy Spirit, brings the guy back to life, and then goes back to preaching. So if you think I preach long, no one yet has fallen asleep to the point that they've died. Now every Sunday, someone falls asleep. But no one has fallen asleep and died yet. We get two minutes of the sermon. Here's what, here's what I want you to know from it. He starts from the beginning, and he tells us the whole stories about Jesus. He goes into Abraham. He goes into covenants. He goes into the whole thing, and he shows us how Jesus is the greater David. And then he gets to the heart of the message in verse 29 and 30, and he says, and and talking about Jesus and being crucified on the cross, and listen to this good news. Because remember when we did the Lord's Supper and we talked about how Jesus died for our sins? It says, and when they had carried out all that was written of him, that sentence, listen, When it says that, it's referencing over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. Specifically on when the Messiah would be born and where and what city and which which tribe he would come from. and, And so many specific prophecies about who Jesus would be as the Messiah. So that that little half a sentence. And when they had carried out all that was written of him. And he's talking about the cross. 
The cross was Jesus' plan the whole time to bring you back to him. They took him down from the tree and they laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. That's where you say amen, by the way. I'm going to read that again because I don't think you heard me. They took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. That's the heart of the message. See, they were asked for a word of encouragement. Do you have a word of encouragement? He doesn't give fluffy encouragement. He doesn't tell you how to live your best life now. He doesn't tell you how to claim a great future for yourself. He tells you that you are in desperate need of a Savior and that that's not a new idea. God had this plan for you the whole time. As a matter of fact, when we look at the covenants, when we look at David, when we look at these people in the Old Testament, they were pictures of what God was going to do. When we look at the Passover and we do the Lord's Supper, we see that God was planning this the whole time, that this was all a picture of his greatness and his redemption through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then a few verses down in 38 and 39, listen to me, here's your response. It says, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Amen. And by everyone who believes, by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Amen. Listen to me. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It is for freedom from your sin that Christ has set you free. The only hope for that is Jesus, and it is for freedom from what the world thinks and defines you to be. It is for freedom from thinking, I don't know how I'm going to be able to take care of myself. You don't have to take care of yourself. Jesus will take care of you. Let him lead and guide you. Let his word lead and guide you. Submit yourself fully to him. It is for freedom from the addiction that owns you. It is for freedom from the despair in your life. It is for freedom from the doubts you have about who you are and if you measure up. It is for freedom from the wounds of all the things that this world has done to you. It is for freedom from the brokenness in this world that Christ has set you free because everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So what does it look like if we were to do this, church? If we were to really, I mean, if, if, it, if just 75 of us were to live this out, what would it look like? Read the last verses and then we'll close. And when the Gentiles heard this, the non-Jewish people mainly from two Jews, Paul and Barnabas. They began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many were as appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews, when it says Jews in the book of Acts, it doesn't mean all Jewish people, it means Jewish leaders. When the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. So as all these Gentiles are getting saved, it's again the same controversy of the book of Galatians. 
But what do they do? They shook the dust off from their feet against them, and they went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy with the Holy Spirit. You will receive opposition if you really try to live this out. The moment you attempt to live this out, the devil will put a target on your back. Dust your feet off and keep walking. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. That's what it would look like, church. That's what it would look like. It would look like opposition. It would look like difficulty. It would look like moments of failure, but it would also look like joy. And it would look like revival. And it would spread. Let's pray. Lord, you you know exactly what every person in here needs to hear from you. You know that people here need freedom. You, Lord, you know, I, I, I need freedom. I, I, I get caught up in sin and trapped and I get distracted by the world and what they think I'm supposed to be and what they tell me I'm supposed to be. Lord, let us pursue you more than anything. Let us walk in your spirit. Let us be full of your spirit. Lord, I pray that we would see this happen in our church. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.